Hey everyone, this is Ben Chapman. Thank you for listening to Luminous Church Podcast. It's always an honor that you would take time out of your day to listen to us. We hope that you would see Jesus more clearly today and that you would also be inspired to make a difference wherever you find yourself. Enjoy today's sermon and God bless you. Well, good morning. Good morning. Come on. Well, it is obviously summer, and you can see that by looking around the room. So welcome for those who made it to church. You know, the unique part of our church is a lot of young people attend here, so they're going and celebrating church with their fathers in other cities and other places. But if you're here this morning, I'm so thankful you're here. And if you're a guest this morning on Father's Day, welcome to Luminous Church. It's definitely a heart to be able to share this moment and this experience with you as we begin to dive into God's Word. If you have your Bibles, John 14 and Luke 15 is where we'll be this morning. John 14 and Luke 15, and we'll be there in just a moment. We had an awesome time at the Father's Day picnic yesterday, and so it was amazing. We had uh, over 75 people attend that yesterday, which is just incredible for our church and our size, and uh, a lot of us got burnt. In fact, one of our uh, elementary teachers was like, I'm so burnt, I can't even come to church today, so praise God. So Brandy's back there serving in the kids this morning, and we're thankful for that. So we, we partied hard yesterday. I hope that you got to celebrate with your father or your family, whatever that looked like. I hope it's a joy. I hope it's a joy today. This is an extension of joy. And we're, we're going to dive into God's Word just, um, just a little bit, and then we're going to let you go to an early brunch and hang out or, or, or maybe, a, maybe an early lunch, a late brunch perhaps. And so um, I, I love Father's Day because it's a, it's a national holiday, and I love the fact that um, here in the United States we put national holidays um, and we pass bills in order for them to be recognized. I think that's a good thing. If we read our Bibles, we look at um, our Judeo-Christian heritage, and, and, and the Jewish people oftentimes celebrated things annually, and God instituted that and, and wrote that as, um, as a law for them to celebrate, because if you don't celebrate or recognize, it's easy to forget or take advantage of. And so I'm thankful that we do that in our country. It's very helpful to be able to recognize that. And Mother's Day is one of those things that's been around since uh, about 1914, I think, is when the bill was passed. And we celebrate moms and all that stuff. And, and in around the early 1900s, uh, a young lady, she, she was 16 years old, um, Sonora Dodd, whose uh, mother passed away. And she was the eldest child and she had five siblings who were younger, and her widowed father, she just loved and adored and felt like he deserved some celebration. So she went around to all the churches getting petitions and signatures to, to get this law passed, and it, it wasn't passed until um, over half a century later in 1970 is when they wrote that down. So it took, it took half a century to get that into establishment, and if you wonder, you know, we look around our society and look at what's going on and we're fighting for causes and, and petitioning things for national holidays. It, it took a while for, for something that we would say common to actually be recognized fathers. And I think it's worth celebrating fathers, don't you? I think it's worth celebrating. I think it's worth loving them. And today we're going to talk about um, the father's heart or fa a father's characteristic today. And 
what that looks like. And as we've been in a series all year, we've gotten one word, it's faith. And we need to start walking by faith, walking by what we may not see, right? We may not see with our natural eyes, but we step into this trust in God as as another synonym for faith that we trust God. And so so what does this look like, a a father's heart, a, a father's faith? There's some things that we have to step into as fathers as we look at our father and begin to emulate that. We have to step into some things by faith, because it may have not been demonstrated to us in the natural. Um, it's, it's no surprise that uh, there have been a many fatherless, many people without a, a real example. And so the first thing that we look at today is a father's reception. A father's reception. In Psalm 2710, it says this. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. I love that. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. This was written thousands of years ago. This was written about about how there are going to be fatherless and motherless. And the fathers will walk away and the mothers will walk away. Thousands of years ago, before before pop culture, before before right now this millennial culture who who is um, not seeing necessarily these covenants being made that are that are lasting. It it happened thousands of years ago. The the psalmist wrote this, that, that although father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. I love this idea of reception, that he's, he's going to come and he's going to throw a reception for you, that he's going to come and he, he's, he's constantly looking for you and he constantly wants to receive you and me. Isn't that good news? That's great news. That's great news this morning. In Luke 19.10, it says this, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost for the son of man came to seek and save the lost the father and the mother they leave but god's going to receive them and jesus is an extension of that receiving that i'm going to look and see who is lost and i'm going to begin to find them and save them and this character is oftentimes emulated in our character isn't it well we do the same thing for instance um Jaron and Julia, they just moved into an apartment, and they're a part of apartment life. This is a, a, a lifestyle where they would live into an apartment and live on mission. They throw events for the apartment complex every month. They share the gospel there intentionally. They meet everybody who's moving in, and they're just being super intentional with their lives. And, and, and I love Julia because she just has a heart of a father because she saw, she saw someone or Something that was that was lost and forsaken. She saw a little kitten, and although although Mama Cat and Daddy Cat forsook this baby kitten, Julia reached out and decided to receive this kitten with fleas and rabies and all, and say, "You know, you're cute, you're cuddly. Come here." And brought it home to the apartment complex, and and told Jaren about how they needed to just take care of this kitten and nurture it back to health and. And begin to do that. You see, that's the truth, right? It's like we have that heart. We have the heart of a father where we see maybe something or someone that is lost and forsaken. And we want to go and receive it and comfort it and take care of it and nurture it. And it's easy to do with a cute little kitten, isn't it? 
It's easy to do with that puppy dog, you know, that, that was abandoned. It's, it's easy to do with that. But what I love about God is he looks at you and me, and he doesn't say, oh, they're so cute and cuddly. And you know, he sees us, and we're depraved. Oh, that means that we're depraved. We're full of sin. Oh, some of us are porn addicts, uh, alcohol addicts. We're, we're, we're cheaters. We're, we're, we're gossipers. We're doing all this stuff, right? And yet God saw that which is lost and said, I'm going to go to them and I'm going to receive them. How many of you know that's, that's amazing news? What a, what a God heart to begin to do that, to, to begin to receive. And in order to receive, you have to see the need. And this is what God did with us. He saw what was broken and that allowed him to receive it. He saw the best in you and me. He sees the potential. He sees the greatness. He sees the Imago Dei, the image of God in you and me. He sees how, how you take care of little kittens and how you want to do good. And although you can't do good because you fall short of the glory of God, he sees that I'm going to make a way for them so that they can live a great life life he sees the best in you what i love is john maxwell he's a leadership guru he's been doing leadership talks for quite a number of years and leading hundreds of thousands of people and leadership talks and and when john walks into a room he he sees you you know what i mean that person who actually looks at you even though the room's full and you feel like you're special you feel like this person's talking to me I rarely do that, right, because I'm ADD, and so I'm like, wait, give me two sparks and, 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 you know, some Red Bull. Okay, now I can see you. Now I see you. There you are, right? But John just sees the best in you. He sees the gold that's inside of you, and, and oftentimes people ask him, how do you do it, John? How do, you, how do you see people as great? How do you see somebody, a stranger they don't even know, and make them feel like a million dollars? He says, when I look at people, and we're all looking at people, we automatically put them in categories and numbers. Well, you know, this is a number one. That's a number five. Oh, that's a 10 over there. And, and we look at maybe some of their outward appearance. But he said, when I look at people, all I see is 10s. I see 10s on everybody's head. I see 10s as they're the greatest person in the world. I see a 10 as, man, this person has so much potential. And he, he admits, you know, outwardly that, that sometimes it's harder to see the 10 in certain people. You know, <laughs> some of y'all know how that is, right? Some family members, some coworkers, like, I don't know, Lord, you're going to give me a lot of grace for them because I don't see them as a 10. But, but if you see 10, if you see how God made them, how God loves them, how God created them, all of a sudden, the way that you communicate to them will be different than if you were to see them as a one or two or three. The way that you interact with them will be so much better. See, we, a father's heart receives. A father's heart begins to receive and see the greatness. I'm going to tell you right now, fathers, you will not be a good father. And, and this isn't a gender-specific message. It, it, this applies to all the women in the room as well. Because God's character in his heart is for, for man and woman. Uh, if, if you're a person who is hyper-competitive, <laughs> right, David? If you're a person who's hyper-competitive, it's going to be hard to be a good father. It'll actually be hard to be a great father because what you'll do is you'll keep trying to beat your kid. Trying to beat 
your son, beat your daughter. You won't actually let them ever win. Maybe you've heard that said, I'm never going to let you win as long as I'm breathing. You're going down. Right? Maybe you heard that. But a great father actually wants his kids to succeed and excel past his ability. This is what we teach at Luminous Church. When you're discipling and investing and, and doing a Bible study with somebody and doing life with somebody, you are trying to bring up them past your ability so that they would excel and move beyond. You in the workplace, entrepreneurs and business owners, if you begin to look at your coworkers and, and these employees that you hire and you want them to be the greatest they can be, the greatest potential, what will happen is God will honor that and he'll multiply it and you'll have greater influence. And we, we don't think that oftentimes because we adhered to a ungodly belief that if I'm going to make them great, they'll get the promotion. If I'm going to make them great, they'll take the company. If I'm, if I'm to make them great, then, then, then I won't succeed. And this is a simple principle that God says over and over and over again in the Bible that if you, if you sow, you will reap. If you sow, you will reap. A lot of you do this in your tithe. You sow and you've seen God's blessing financially. And you believe it in that, but do you believe it in your relationships? Do you believe it in the people around you that if I sow into them, if I sow into my kids, I don't have to worry because God's going to take care of me. God's going to take care of you. God will affirm you. Your affirmation will not come from beating your five-year-old at PlayStation. You'll be affirmed. God will do incredible things through you. I just want to encourage you that this is God's heart for us. Another piece of God's heart is, is a father's pursuit. John 14 talks about a father's pursuit. If you love me, keep my commands. Verse 16, and I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever as we talked about the last two weeks. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore. But you will see me because I live. You also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my father and I too will love them and show myself to them. Godly pursuit isn't a one time thing. God didn't pursue you, save you, then leave you. God pursued you and then he grafted you in. That means that means he cut his vine and he took this branch and he put it in there and we grew into him when you became a new creation you are a part of the tree you're a part of the vine he took you as his own and he said mine you're my son or daughter this is God's heart he pursues you and pursues you and pursues you and we need that because oftentimes in life we stonewall Oftentimes in life, we'll cross our arms, you know, like my friend Jay over here. And we'll be like, I just, I don't know about this message. I don't know, God. I'm just kind of hurt right now, kind of frustrated right now. Why is that? It's because before Christ, you were an old creation. Before Christ, you, you stonewalled everything. 
Before Christ, you were constantly full of sin and you were constantly separated and, and you felt, um, if you will, even if you didn't feel it, you had an orphan spirit. You, you were abandoned because you were alone without Christ. And, and when you came to know Christ, he adopted you and said, you're mine. And he took you in. And, and sometimes what we do throughout the week, throughout the days, we'll pick up some ungodly beliefs, the beliefs before Christ, and we'll put them back in our walk as we're walking after Christ. An ungodly belief like this, like, nobody cares about me. An ungodly belief like, I, I don't really matter. An ungodly belief like, I'm alone. Ungodly beliefs come into our life. We believe these lies and we do it every day. Maybe it's somebody in traffic, you know, gives you, a, a, you know, one, of their, one of their fingers, you know, and, and, and you took it and you decided to, to believe that and it put some anger into you. And, and, and you start believing these ungodly things. And, and the, more, the more it lies or, or the lack of truth, Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. Jesus is truth. Jesus is the word. He, he is all of it. Uh, anything against him is a lie. And as we adhere to that lie, then we start operating in a new belief system based on a poor foundation, on a lie that, that, that's not truth, on something that's false. Therefore, we, we uh, ascribe it to this, that you would have a false identity, a, a false self-worth, that, that that would begin to happen. And Jesus came so that he could break every lie that you would bring up and pick up so that you could replace it with his truth in who he says you are. And I'm telling you, we do this almost on a weekly basis. It's therefore we need to go to the Father often. I have a friend named Bob. We'll call him Bob. He, owns a, he runs a freedom prayer ministry in town. Bob has adopted a child from another country, and, and she was a little older when she got adopted. And she came into the household, and, you know, they worked with her, and she got, she got acclim acclimated and, and got fit, started to fit in and, and all these things. And, and she was a part of the family because when you adopt, they're part of the family, right? It's, it's a, it, it's, that's her, her birthright has changed. It's, she's now part of this family. Well, well, you know, when you're a different ethnicity in a family, you know, uh, from everyone else, it, you start looking at these outward ex appearances and stuff. And, and she was on her bed and she was stonewalled with her arms crossed. And her dad said, what's wrong? And she goes, nothing. <laughs> you ever heard that before, right? Some of your spouses hear that a lot. Nothing. Right? And, and so she began to say that. And, and then her father said this, just like a good father. Hey, I want to let you know. That whatever is going on, no matter what it is, that I love you, and that I'm here for you, and that I want to hear whenever you are ready to tell me. Well, immediately, she heard some love from her father, and she started to cry, and she grabbed him before he left. She goes, I want, I want to tell you. And he goes, what is it? And she just said, I, I don't feel like I fit in. Everybody's talking about how I look different, and I just don't feel like I'm a part of the family. How many know that's an ungodly belief? That's a lie. The truth is she's adopted. So that's a lie that she was believing that somebody else put on her, whether it's her perception or somebody said something. 
So what her father did, and a good father will do this, is he will pursue. He keeps pursuing and keeps pursuing and keeps pursuing. And he says, well, you know what we need to do is we need to come out of agreement with the lie that you're believing because that's not true, baby. You know we love you. You're adopted. And we need, we need to ask Jesus what he says about this. So, so he just led her in a prayer, and she just prayed. Jesus, help, help me remember when I started believing this lie. How many remember when I started believing this? When did I start feeling like this? And, and, and as Jesus does, he gives her a picture and he gives her a memory and she starts remembering and, and it shows, she starts telling her father and her father just says, ask where Jesus is. And Jesus shows up and just like Jesus is so faithful because Jesus is truth and truth wants to break lies off of your life. Truth comes in and starts breaking this lie and, and she receives Jesus' love over her life, right? And healing takes place and she becomes a more whole and, and, and she becomes more self-assured. And, and how many of you know that, that the enemy is going to have a hard time lying in that little girl again? You know, he's going to have a hard time using that strategy because that strategy is not going to work because she knows it's a lie. I'm telling you that, that maybe you came into Luminous today believing something ungodly, believing a lie. But Jesus wants to remind you of a truth so that you can break that lie off of yourself and that you can start walking in the identity that God has allowed you to possess and walk in. This is what he wants for you. This is why, this is why you've come. It is why we come every week and declare this in our songs and in our worship because I'm believing so many lies. I need to come in agreement with truth. That's what happens over and over and over again. A father doesn't just come in and pursue a father. A father begins to touch the areas that need to be touched. In Luke 15, verse 11, very familiar, but I felt like it's appropriate. A little cliche, perhaps, but I think the Lord's going to show. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together. All he had set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in the wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a seven, the severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's Hired servants have food to spare. And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went up to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. This is what I love because here in this moment, we see that the father is seeing, that the father is pursuing, and the father is receiving, and now the father is touching or embracing by giving him a hug and a kiss. There's this moment where he actually touches him, and there's this healing that takes place. When I was 20 years old, I, I grew up with a fear of man, believing that if I... Um, really did my best and tried my best that my best would not be good enough and I still wouldn't receive the acceptance of the people around me. So, so I decided because I was living for other people's acceptance, I, I just wasn't going to try that hard at anything. 
Because if you don't try, then you can't fail. And so I just sat there, and I didn't try much. Well, I was 20, and I was in charge of the summer youth event. The youth event that was going to kick off the summer for 150 students. And I, I was the man at 20 years old in charge of running that. And the week of the event, the youth pastor calls me in, Daniel, and he says, okay, what do you got? What do you got? Well, you know where this is going. I got nothing. I got nothing. Uh, what do you mean you have nothing? Well, you know, I, you know, I just wing it. You know, we just have, you know, play some music, give some high fives, smile. You know, it'd be great. You know, I'm good at that. It's been, you've had three months. How do you have nothing and you don't have anything? It's, it's it, the youth events this week. And, and in a moment, I just started crying. Just started crying, 20 years old, crying, just realizing this, this failure and just I, I can't succeed and I can't please and, and I just all this moment. And, and here's what a good father does is a good father like Daniel, he, he got up from his chair and he said, I, 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 want, I want to tell you something. I don't care if you fail, but you have to try. I don't care if you fail, but you have to try. I'm never going to get mad if you try. I'm never going to get upset if you try. Just keep trying. And then I'm sitting there crying, and he comes around, and he places, the six-foot-four, 350-pound man places his hands on my shoulder. And I just began to cry more, you know, because it was that father's touch that I needed in that moment. He started praying for me. I found that God started healing me. And in that moment, I was affirmed. See, a father's touch can bring about healing in your life. A father's embrace. I was 17 years old in high school. Uh, the, the year before, I was hanging out with this group of kids or young people. And I was deeply seated with racism. I, 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 would, I would say all the jokes and laugh at all the jokes. I would begin to do all the things that they would do and say different things. I, 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 I was plagued with it maybe a generational thing I'm not sure but I just knew like man that was me and then and then when I was 17 the next year the pastor was preaching a message he's preaching about a, a reconciliation message and how there's some people in here who, who may um, have uh, some racism inside of them or some prejudices inside of them that they needed to be made right because God loves all people and he loves all races and he didn't just die and save one race or one people group. Well, well the Holy Spirit was dropping in my spirit that I needed to reconcile this. I needed to give it up. I needed, I needed to be healed. And the pastor did an altar call. You know, one of those things that we used to do back in the day and now we don't do them because we don't want guests to freak out. He had people come up, different races come up. He said, hey, I, if this is you, I want you to go somebody who doesn't look like you, and I want you to get prayed, by, prayed over by them. Well, 17 years old, I, I, my heart was racing. I was like, I need to do this. I need to do this. And I went up, and there was Clint Berry. And, and, and he had a line. I was actually remember he had a little line. And so I just waited, I just waited, I just waited. I wasn't going to let the enemy destroy my life by building my life on a lie. On a lie that one race is over another race. I wasn't going to allow that to happen in my life. So I said, I'm going to wait. And as the line went down, I went up. And I went to Clint. 
And I just started crying. Just started crying. And he just grabbed me. And he touched me and he embraced me. And he started praying for me. And I just confessed to all of everything to him right there. And he just prayed for me. And it was this healing moment because a father wants to touch the lies that you've been believing and start he, he's paid the price for that so that you can be healed this is what god has done for me you see a father's touch there's been multiple times that that that, that, that there's been this embrace this hug that has bring brought about this healing of a father's heart to me and if i know if he can do it for me he can do it for you as well that God can heal those wounds and heal those lies. Next, we see a father's grace. As we continue in verse 21 in chapter 15, the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and is alive again he was lost and is found so they began to celebrate a father's heart has a massive amount of grace for his son and his daughter massive amount of grace massive amount of love that it doesn't matter if you spent the inheritance because you are my inheritance you're my inheritance you're the one i love you're the one I'm, I'll pay the price for. I will do anything for you, grace after grace after grace. I, I grew up in a society, and in me in a church, and I, I think I, I may have misaligned myself a little bit, where, where you always stick up for your wife, right? Like, if the son is there, you take the wife's side no matter what. Well, I, I realize that sometimes your wife's wrong, and you know that's true. And sometimes the husband's wrong. And sometimes you realize, like, the wife has been around two kids all day, and she lost her temper. And she was saying things that she didn't really mean. And so I come home, and I don't go, yeah, you better listen to your mom, because this is the law, and I got her back. And what she says, go. And sometimes I'm like, babe, go get a pedicure. Get out of the house. You know, take care of you. Repent, maybe, if you need to. And then, hey, son, daughter, come here. Love you. I love you. God loves you so much. He loves you so much. Sometimes we get a little angry and say things we don't mean, you know, and we say things that we need to repent of. And, and you know, you shouldn't have been doing this, but, but, but God loves you, and let's just hang out. Let's just watch a movie. Pop some popcorn. Let's hang out. Sometimes your kids need to be shown grace. Sometimes your friends need to be shown grace. You know that friend that you have? The one with FOMO, so they never commit to Friday night. You know, like, hey, we're hanging out Friday night. Oh, man, I don't know yet. I don't know if we can do that because, you know, um, I don't know. I can't. Just commit, man. Come on, here's what we're doing. I don't know. And then all of a sudden, it's Friday night at 10 o'clock, and here they come. They show up, and you're like, dude, where were you? Oh, man, oh, I was going to do this or that, but, you know, that kind of fell through. Or I went to this, you know, little concert, and it was kind of lame, so I decided to come over here. Wow, thanks a lot, man. I'm glad it's your second choice. Appreciate it. You know, like sometimes you need to have grace for your friend, grace for realizing like, man, they just need some love and some grace, and you just keep showing them the Father's heart and watch what God does in their life because people did that for me, and people did it for you. Will you do it for others? Will you do it for others? 
A father's reception, he wants to receive you. A father's pursuit, he's constantly pursuing you. A father's touch, that he's going to touch the wounds that you have and be in the moment that you need him to be. A father's grace, that when we don't deserve it, he still gives it because he loves you. And a father's grace is set up a father's place for us. A father's place. You see, on this side of heaven, we have a place. It's called the church. And we get to be a part of the church, and we get to be in the atmosphere of the Father's house, encouraging one another, loving one another. In this, in this place, we, we get to find life and freedom. We get to be who we are created to be. And, and, and you know what? When we don't have the faith to see it in ourselves, others will see it for us. And they're going to see you as tens, and, and we're going to come to this place, and we're going to go to grow track and become members and, and settle in and set roots because it's the place that he's created on this side of heaven. But then on the other side, there's going to be a place for us. And in John 14, as we back up in that chapter, it says this in verse 1. Jesus said to his disciples, his friends, don't, don't be worried. Have faith in God. Have faith in me. There are many rooms in my father's house. I wouldn't tell you this unless it was true. I'm going there to prepare a place for each of you. After I've done this, I will come back and take you with me. Then we will be together. As we close this morning, I just want to encourage you that God has created a place for us. He's created a place for us. And this is good news. This is what a father does. He creates a safe place. A place where we can be freely who he's created us to be. Not necessarily who we want to be or aspire to be. Not necessarily that. Who he created us to be. Who he made us to be. Sons and daughters. Free of all the lust and the shame. Free of the guilt. Free of the depravity. Free of everything that's hindering us. That we would be free to worship. And free to pray. Be free to live the truth of Jesus. Would you stand with me this morning as we close in prayer? I want to pray for you. And if you wouldn't mind as you're standing, if you're able to bow your head and close your eyes right where you are. And I'll, I just want to pray for you because I believe that I believe that Jesus may want to heal something in you today. Because, you know, if you're like me, like any of us, we can pick up an ungodly belief that some lie that we're believing. But before, before we pray about that, I want to just ask, if there's somebody in here who's never known the Father's love because you have, not, you have yet to meet Jesus, but you want to meet Him, you want to meet Him, and you want to be His son or daughter, and you realize that even though you're messed up, He's paid the price for you, and He said that you're mine, all you have to do is believe and trust in me. Believe and trust in me. If that's you, and you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life with every eye closed and every head bowed, I just want to ask, if that's you, would you raise your hand this morning? I'll, I want Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You may place your hand down. I want to also ask this one question. Maybe you've been believing a lie, and the Holy Spirit revealed it to you. Amy, as I was talking... You've been picking up something and it's, it's affected your belief system, the way you've been walking. If that's you and you just want Jesus to come and heal that lie, would you raise your hand? Hi. I want to pray for you. As I pray for you and your hand is raised, I just 
I want you to just remember maybe where you started believing that lie. Just ask Jesus, where did I first believe this lie? Holy Spirit, where did I first start believing this? And as he begins to show you and he begins to reveal to you, I just want you to begin to ask the truth. Ask for the truth. Ask Jesus, where were you when I believed this lie? Jesus, tell me, show me the truth. Father, we thank you for that. We thank you that this is what you love to do. You love to exchange lies for truth. You love to exchange the lost and make them found. God, we thank you for your heart this morning. You're so good. We believe that today in Jesus' name.